This week on Ultra 64, we're playing Beetle Adventure Racing and Stunt Racer 64. And do not play Punch Buggy along with this game or someone will die. Everybody, welcome to Ultra 64. We are the internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week, we are playing a different randomly selected game from the Nintendo 64 catalog, and we are hopping into our love bugs and taking it down to the coast. And my name is Steve Gunley. Hello, it's not real cherry; it's an oldie but a goodie. I'm Woody Siskowski. <laughs> that was the lyrics, right? Those are the lyrics. You got okay. pretty close. Yeah, I, I yeah. made Steve look up the lyrics to Surf City before we started. And you know what? Worth it. Worth yeah, it. worth it. We I, learned about the difference between Jan and Dean. Yes. Well, actually, I, I can't say I know the difference between Jan and Dean, okay. but I definitely uh, know which one sings that song <laughs> and which one is not a Beach Boy. Yeah. So, you know. That, Spoiler, that's... neither of them are. Yes. Well, welcome. We were talking about a couple more wacky racing games and a little- but not- the wacky racing game. Not not wacky Motley. racers. Yeah, which uh which I actually don't hate that game. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever actually seen an episode of Wacky Racers. I don't think I have either, but I weirdly I played that video game a lot and I also read the reboot comic that they did a couple oh, yeah, years ago. That's a pretty fun reboot reboot comic. Really gritty, stupid <laughs> like Mad Max style wacky racers. <laughs> what a crazy idea. That was really fun. That was fun. a weird era of the Hanna Barbera reboot. So did, are they oh doing any more of those? I don't think so. Did the, the Scooby Doo one stop? Scooby Scooby Apocalypse lasted the longest yeah. out of all of them, and the Flintstones was the best one. Yeah, the Flintstones one was great. The Flintstones was, like, low-key brilliant. Yeah. Like, yeah, definitely check that out. We're off topic already. No, that's okay. Yeah, well, I it's mean, all good. Here, here's a spoiler for this. We were supposed to play three games We tonight. were, we were. As, <laughs> as is usually our procedure for these racing games. If you if you and read our liner speaking notes Speaking of Loki, the, uh, mm-hmm. the god of mischief had other things in store for us as he put... <laughs> Some piece of shaky plastic yeah. in Steve's Revolt cartridge. Yeah, we were supposed to also play the RC racing game Revolt, uh, but this this is my first revolting cart. development. <laughs> this, this is my first cart that I think might actually be broken. Yeah, I managed like, to resuscitate Kirby. Yeah, Kirby but. was fixed. Kirby Kirby works again. I think the rattling sound inside this Revolt cart uh, makes me <laughs> less optimistic. What? All your games don't make that noise when you shake them? You know, I, I don't think they're supposed I, to. Oh, or maybe have I been doing it wrong? Should I try and like? I've been plugging, plug all my maracas into my Super Nintendo. (laughs) I'm just gonna dump some sand in all my cartridges now. Like, what if I did that? Like salting the earth after we're done. No one can play this again. (laughs) Keep that metal trimmed down. You know, it wipes off the corrosion. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. It's sandblasting. Yeah. Yeah. Just sandblast the whole game off the cart. So what we're going to do with Revolt now, and this is going to be weird, but we're also getting to the waning days of the N64 part of the show. So we're going to get weird with it. Uh, I, we're going we're gonna to get a replacement copy and we're going to play Revolt next week alongside the other uh, beloved racing game, Armarines Project Swarm. Wait, what? <laughs> I, I clearly it's, have a misconception of what that game was. It's but. the most nonsensical pairing we've had so far. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to go with it. Yeah. I'm going to go with it. We're going to find a way. We're going to, I think the challenge is going to be find the common threads yeah. between first person, super bloody, uh, bug shooter and charming, uh, RC car racing cart game. <laughs> okay. So I think we're going to find the tenuous threads there and we're going to have a good time. 
But instead, we are still talking about a couple of games today. One of them is Beetle Adventure Racing, and the other is 64, and I'm excited to get into both of these. Yeah. So let's do it. Let's yeah, get so into it. Yeah, so Beetle Adventure Racing, you can play as John mm-hmm. or Paul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did, were not able to get the license for uh, Ringo. He was holding out. It I mean, was he was very surprising. Usually he just gives it away. He's got that caveman money. He doesn't need it, you oh, know? Okay, he's like, enough. he's coasting off those residues, you know? No, yeah, that's, that's, of course, a joke. Um, you can play as Beetle Bailey mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Sarge or, or Dung or, or, Dung or <laughs> Mrs. Buxley. Or Wood Beetle. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so Beetle Adventure Racing was released February 28th, 1999, developed by Paradigm Entertainment and published by EA. Uh, Paradigm Entertainment, pretty prolific on this show. They developed Pilot Wings 64, Arrow Fighters Assault, Indie Racing 2000, Duck Dodgers, and two of the F1 Grand Prix games. I can remember two of those games. Listeners at home, see if you can guess which ones. I'm going to take a shot. (laughs) You you remember Pilot Wings and the one with one of the most recognizable cartoon characters of all time, Indie Racing 2000. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I love those cartoons. Everyone's favorite. Go, Indie Racer, go, go. It's just a... It was just a stock car that just walked around. <laughs> I, now I'm getting... We learned about all this stuff, but I think stock car, probably not the same as indie racing. No, stock but. car... Stock car is NASCAR. No, I, Steve, I indie didn't racing. ask you to explain it. Don't get bogged down in this Wait, wait. We, we, we've wasted enough of our listeners' time discussing this stuff. I've had this in my head. I need to have a practical application. What about rally racing? Tell us about that. That's when it's, someone's yelling at you the entire okay, time. Good. Yeah. Uh, so Paradigm, uh, they produced a couple of uh, middling Terminator games and that Mission Impossible. Possible games after this of like if you were like this hack stand-up comic from the 50s if yeah if it's like rally racing someone's yelling into me the whole time i call that marriage oh waka waka take my wife uh yeah so paradigm they developed a couple of crappy terminator and mission impossible games and they were supposed to be developing a pilot wings game for the wii but they unfortunately got shut down in 2008 and that will never happen I guess there was no Pilot Wings game for the Wii, huh? They're kind of crazy. Well, it kind of it kind of stopped after '64, right? Or was there like a yeah, was there no, a there DS was version? Not a GameCube one. There might have been a DS one, but it really if there really was, it flew way under the radar, like <laughs> pun intended. But yeah, yeah like uh, there's really I don't know. That just seems like a huge. That would seem like a slam dunk of yeah. Wii Pilot Wings. They, I guess, the like, Wii Sports Resort, I believe, had some like plane flying modes in it. Yeah, yeah, and maybe that's why I'm conflating it because like there's a there's a Pilot Wings level in Smash Ultimate, and there's a Wii Sports Resort level in Smash Ultimate that mm. kind of look the same. Okay, and they're both moving around, taking you over tropical islands. So I think that's maybe where I'm doing it. Anyway, Paradigm is gone. That is the last of their games that we're going to talk about on this show. So we salute you, Paradigm. <laughs> we have let's a learn one beetle salute. Let's learn a little bit about have, those beetles. Tw- no, I, no, wait, I got it. Yeah, yeah. We have a twenty cent salute for Paradigm Entertainment. Oh, yeah. I get it because it's two dimes. I get it. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. <laughs> uh, so here's a here's a here's a fun fact that we all are going to have to wrestle with about the VW Beetle. Uh, invented by Adolf Hitler. Really. Well, so Volkswagen was formed in 1937. Volkswagen means the people's car. Sure. Uh, basically, bef- at this time in uh, Germany, World War II, pre World War II era, like cars were prohibitively expensive. They were only for kind of aristocracy. And one of Hitler's big initiatives was to make vehicles more accessible and more affordable so that anyone in Germany could have one. Mm-hmm. So. Volkswagen was kind of founded on that ideal, and the Beetle was the first car that they produced. It was called the VW Type 1, 
And so I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that Hitler drew this on a napkin. It's like, yeah, make this shape. Yeah, go do it. But like, he definitely had a hand in the founding of VW and huh. uh, in, in the kind of concept behind the Beatle. It's, you know, do with that fact what you will. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it makes you wish he just stuck to automotive design. But, sure. you know, yeah, you know if only he'd stayed an artist. Well, I mean, it was... No, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna say nothing. Yeah, let's well, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. I just I had to put it out there. I don't need to put my hilarious take. There's on the. I you know you all just need to know there's a little bit of Hitler in your VW Beetles, and well, that's you know a little bit of Hitler in all of us. Steve. <laughs> Around Christmas time, oh, the sparkle in my eyes. No, ugh, no, gross. sorry. Uh, I said I was gonna keep my mouth shut, and I blew it. <laughs> all I can tell you, wearing a mask, so yeah, I can't tell. I true. can't tell. Uh, so during World War II, uh, the VW factory was almost completely destroyed, and so the company would have died there if uh, a couple of British industrialists didn't step in to kind of revive the brand. So basically, if you want to feel better about buying, buying Volkswagen, the Nazi Volkswagen was destroyed in the okay, war. They rebuilt it from the ashes to be the Farfik Nugent ones. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, the distinctive curved design and rear mounted engine of the VW Beetle or the VW type one, as it was called then proved to be insanely popular. Uh, and during, uh, by 1972, the Beetle became the best selling car model of all time, which I did not realize it was quite that big. Uh, and it held on to that record until 2016 when it was toppled by the Toyota Corolla. I guess I would say like. I, the, I, the thing that's surprising is I feel like there's sort of a distinct design differential between Europe and the U.S. in yeah. terms of cars. Like, I feel like the U.S. definitely leans more on Japanese-style car, like Asian-style cars. Yeah. And sort of the the rounder, more compact shapes of cars are more popular in Europe. So I feel yeah. like the Beetle was one of the few... That was able to, you know, be very successful at both places. Well, if you think of like a Mini Cooper, you know, it's yeah, kind of exactly. that same you don't design. See, you don't it's, see that very often it's, in the it's US. Rounded edges, it's uh, a compact design, it's meant to be small and efficient. And uh, yeah, it, it isn't something that's generally done here. And even when the Beetle was taking off in the States, that didn't kind of become the new design philosophy, really, right. for years and years. Uh, it wasn't until um, like the gas crisis of the 70s when we had to start like, conserving gas oh, and we started making smaller cars yeah. and more japanese cars uh but uh, yeah the the beetles or the bugs as they were commonly called became a bit of a pop cultural phenomenon like like i said that uh there's a road trip game that everyone in the world is familiar with because you you know punch buggy you punch the other person if they see a buggy first or a bug before you <laughs> that's kind of entered the common vernacular you know you sure. don't need to be explained that and, Even though uh, that game is really just an excuse to be able to punch your sister. Oh, it, that's entirely <laughs> what it is. It's it's guilt-free punching your siblings and causing strife while driving to Disneyland. <laughs> Uh, there was even a series of movies. How many, how many like car ser like car models have their own movie series? Herbie mm, the Love Bug. Yeah, okay. Six was different that, movies. Was that, that was that a model? The Herbie. The Herbie. Yeah, yeah. He's the Her he's a Herbie Love Bug. Uh, Do they still make the Beetle? No, okay. no. So they. Uh, that was actually my mom's first car. One other little thing. And like Nicole was saying, her parents have had three. Wow. Her mom keeps like getting one and then her dad gets tired of them and sells them. So like, <laughs> that's been their dynamic for most of their Got life. It. Oh, I'm getting a spam call. I'm going to ignore it. Uh, so no, you in, should answer it on the air, Steve. I'd be curious. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I am happy with my credit card number. But I'll Did you repeat get those it either spam way. calls that are just someone speaking to you in like Chinese? And I you, don't get many of those. I do get a lot where like, uh, 
they're like auto dialers and they're not going to like click in until you say hello. Sure. So I find if you wait like a few seconds and you pick up the phone and no one says anything, it's a bot. Okay. I don't know. That's so I, I, I test that out from time to time. Uh, in 1997, Volkswagen relaunched the brand with the new Beetle, which moved the engine to the front, but it still kept that sleek, kind of fun, compact design of the original Bug. And this model proved to be one of the most com- popular compact cars of its era, and these are the cars that we are seeing in this game. This okay. game is kind of built specifically to uh, hawk models these such ones. as red and <laughs> blue. Car, car, yeah. car, car. Uh, so the new Beetle was produced until 2011 when it was replaced by the VW Beetle A5, which was longer, sleeker, and had a lower roof. Uh, the A5 was not quite as popular as the previous brands, and VW announced that they would be discontinuing the Beetle in 2019. Oh, wow. They uh, just so stopped. Yeah, they just stopped. There are no more Beetles. Uh, this is also not the only Beetle racing game out there. Uh, there's another game called Beetle Buggin' from 2000. <laughs> that was a PC game. Uh, and Wasn't that, that features... a character from uh, Do the Right Thing? Beetle Buggin'? <laughs> Beetle Buggin'. <laughs> so a little bit about this game. Uh, for our Australian listeners, uh, if you're scratching your head wondering what the hell game we're talking about, uh, you may know this better as HSV Adventure Racing. So the Beetle was not made available in Australia. Mm, okay. So EA decided to switch it out for the HSV or the Holden Special Vehicle, which is a popular <laughs> brand of sedan that's only available in Australia. Okay. Uh, and um, this game uses the same engine as EA's uh, 1994 game Need for Speed or The Need for Speed. They eventually dropped the The, but at this time it's they still like how they it. originally dropped it off of The. They, they pulled a mark. Mark Druckerberg. Mark Druckerberg. <laughs> yeah. They pulled a Mort Druckerberg while yeah. we're talking about Beetle Bailey. <laughs> that's his name, right? That's the name of the founder of Facebook. That's the guy. That's Mort the guy. Drucker. Yeah. He started on Mad Magazine, and then he drawing busty ladies, and he's like, you know what? I got to rank my friends. <laughs> I would really prefer the social network if it's all just old-timey cartoon and strip artists. Like, Andrew Garfield is like Gary Larson, and... <laughs> I don't, never mind. Yeah, who, who plays Al Jaffe in this? <laughs> or Sergio Aragones? That's the only. Oh, oh my God, who would play Aragones? Why well, he's still alive? He can play himself. Ha- Javier Bardem? Would he be a good Sergio Aragones? Javier Bardem would be a great Aragones. Actually, <laughs> he could pull it off. We need to get him the mustache, but yeah, he can do it. All right, let's talk a little bit about this game. Uh, this game keeps things pretty simple. You can play either championship or single race mode for single player. Uh, or you can do traditional races for two-player multiplayer, or you can do Beetle Battle for up to four players. Um, So, yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about the single-player racing experience, firstly. Um, This kind of bridges the gap a little bit between, like, wacky arcade racers and more serious racers, because it's not incredibly flashy, but it's also... The, 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 the emphasis is very strongly on fun, loose physics. Yes, yeah. Uh, and and about exploration. Right. And, uh, I mean, that's yeah. that's what we want to talk about. So, like, I was kind of under the impression that due to the adventure in this title, this would have kind of a single-player mode based around something like Diddy Kong Racing. Where also, you... there's an exclamation point at the end of adventure, so you oh. really think that, <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, go on. Where you can go find the creator's name in the Easter egg room. Yeah, um, yeah. No, um, so... But really, the adventure here is these levels are very big and wide and open to exploration. Not, I mean, not in like an insane you can drive anywhere type of way, um, but like pretty much every, you know, few 20, 30 seconds, you're going to see a turn off to the right and left, a barn you can break through yeah. to drive through, a mine shaft you can explore, a big 
big sort of jump over a castle. Um, and so I think that, that that really adds a lot to the game because I feel like what that does is it gives you this feeling that the race is almost secondary. Like the racing is here, but you're more just engaged of like, what weird landscape will I burst through next? Yeah. Yeah. They really want you to engage with your surroundings and with mm-hmm. the gameplay and to, I feel like that's such a good incentive to get better at something is like being able to access different areas by having better timing or by like observing different backgrounds, things like that. Yeah. You'll, well, it really you're paying attention. Like, you're looking for it. It really makes yeah. the course feel meaningful. Like the cruising games, for example, have a lot of crazy stuff that sort of happens on the side of the course. Yeah. But like if you, just removed all those sort of graphics from the side. It's just sort of a, you know, it's a tube of road on each side that you have to stay on. Like, there's no, you're not interacting with the environment in any meaningful way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, this game has some interesting mechanics with uh, these crates that are kind of littered along the side of the Mm -hmm. road, which is something I don't know that I've ever seen, really. It's similar to the Mario Kart coins, but it's kind of got a different vibe. Yeah. There are a bunch of crates around there, and you think they might be like power-ups or something, but they're mostly just points. Yeah. Uh, and you're trying to like hit as many of these and gather as many points I think as you can. My guess is that each course has 100 points in crates just kind of strewn about. And, that seems right, yeah. Um, and, you know, you can get... Basically, you'll hit a crate, and like, oh, that crate is worth five points. And yeah. there might be one that's just to the side of the road, and that's worth two points. Or there's one that's off this big jump, and that's worth ten points. Yeah. And my guess is, you know, I'm making some assumptions here, but my guess is the way this game is designed, you could, in theory, most of these crates are on sh- in shortcuts. Oh, yeah. But I'm guessing that it is designed in such a way that you can hit each shortcut on the other laps. Yeah. Like, one, you know, your first lap, you go to the right through the mine, and then your next lap, you go through the left, um, and you can get all of these crates in one go-through. Yeah. And so, like, you, you're playing for a high score would be another way to do it. Yeah. And, I mean, when we played through the single player, uh, we, we did it on novice difficulty, mm-hmm. uh, but, like, just to kind of get the hang of it. But it is, it's pretty forgiving. Uh, yeah. You can, you Which can. Is what you want. There's you nothing want. more demoralizing in a game than setting it to novice difficulty and getting, like, six. We've, we've hit that yeah. so many times on this show because there are just an infinite amount of racing games yeah. and we're still not done. But, like,. Yeah, we've we've hit that a lot on this show. If if you, I think that's the difference between like what makes a good racing game and a bad one is like, can you advance? Like, do you need to be a world class like real life driver (laughs) in order to advance in this game? And this one, the emphasis is very much on fun. It's on keeping it light. It's on keeping it goofy. And I just had a delightful time with. It's uh, a very pleasant game. It is. It looks very clean. Mm -hmm. Like um, the models of your your cars that you can select through all have different stats, but weirdly don't have different names or designs because they're all just the bug. And you eventually get some. Like you can unlock wacky ones. Like there's a police car. There's like a a bee shaped one or like a bee colored one. But mostly they're just different colors. Yeah, they're um, just the standard colors you see on a VW. And there's no, real, there's no real customization here, which is fine. I didn't miss that in any way. Um, and some of the tracks do have, like, nitro crates as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it mostly looks very clean. Um, the sky is very blue on the <laughs> blue sky level. And, yeah. Um, yeah, like, it's not super visually interesting, but it is it is visually inviting and looks good. Like, the second level is this big mountain, and there's a real sense of, like, the mountain is sort of dwarfing over you. Yeah. Um, and there's this big crevasse. And, and they, they keep yeah. it fairly, like, grounded in real life, but then they it gets wackier 
as you go on. Okay. Like, it gets sillier. There'll be dinosaurs. There'll be aliens in later levels, you know. But, like, it starts off with just, oh, a country road or a mountain or yeah. things you would expect to see. But it gets gradually sillier, which I think is something you want. You yes, know, like you, I like that idea of like starting off fairly similar, and then it's like, all right, you guys get it. Let's let's <laughs> get, let's get to the real shit now. Yeah, there are little nitro uh, crates that you can hit as well, which yep. will give you a nice little. I boost. already said that, Steve. You did. I'm yeah. sorry. No, I that's okay. That it was really not tied to anything specific. My apologies. It's, we need to we need to put a PowerPoint here to like rearrange our thoughts. Yeah, it's just. Only Be, only six tracks in this game, okay. um, but they're long, they're which is like super long. And this is something that I complain about a lot in these games. I feel like, but I will complain about it slightly less here because the emphasis here is on explore, exploration, and yeah. it's it's about finding your alternate routes. So you want a little bit of lead time to look around. And yeah, I mean, there is like one lap of this first is like two and a half minutes yeah. for like this first level, which means your whole race takes almost eight minutes. Yeah. Um, but there is enough short. Like I would say, one lap probably has ten short. Maybe not ten, but like. Five to six, five, five to ten, yeah. yeah. Five, to, I would say you're, in that you're, range. You're hitting a decent amount each time you go through, and it's pretty obvious. Usually, you'll go past something, yeah. And you'll be like, "Oh, I could have turned up there," and so you're excited to see that in the next lap. And things shift around on the third lap too. Like I noticed uh, in the first track, like there's a place that's cordoned off for the first two laps, mm -hmm. and then when you get to the third, it switches. So the regular original route is cordoned off now. And you get entirely new views that you only get on the third lap. Right, which is cool, too. Which is great. I love that. Um, let's talk a little bit about Beetle Battle, because this <laughs> one was very unusual. I really didn't know what to expect with this mode, but it is like a full-on Mario Kart-style yeah. battle mode with weapons. Yeah. Now, the main game doesn't have weapons, but this little mode which is, does. Which is kind of a shame. Like, I don't need... I don't need weapons in the main game by default, but it's weird that they programmed in weapons like to get that to work and there's not an option toggle mm -hmm. for you to enable weapons in the main game. Right. And I think they're just trying to establish that Beetle Battle is kind of its own thing. It's like a party mode mm -hmm. where like this isn't this isn't going to play like and again, this is uh, one of those games that wisely kind of recognize its limitations, you know. So if you want to do race mode, it's only two player. Yep. Uh there are no other racers on the track and that way, they're able to maintain some really nice, like visual fidelity. Yeah, it looks it very good. It runs very smooth. And again, this is just again because this is a game where the goal is you're just going to explore the level. You're going to see the different nooks and crannies. I didn't mind there being only two racers on the track. No, um, I think it's almost a game that I would have been happy if I was the only car on the track. Yeah, just yeah. Because I'm like, oh, what's over in this corner? What's over in this corner? And that's that's something nice to see, you know. And uh, so Beetle Battle, what what did we get? We had like uh, there's one that turns you metallic, where mm -hmm. you're much stronger. There's some missiles. It, there's one you were dropping like little bomb crates everywhere, yep, that which are like fucking regular me up. crates. I mean, it's your standard assortment of cart racing weapons. But what's weird here is the win condition of Beetle Battle. Yeah. So rather than just trying to you know destroy your opponents, you have to. There's these beetles. Yeah, um, they look like ladybugs, but um, I think they are ladybugs. But uh, well, they got to be beetles, are right? Those, like the, are the beetles what kind of crazy person would put ladybugs as the pickup in a beetle game? See, yeah, that doesn't really make sense to me. I don't understand why the la I don't remember seeing a ladybug logo on a new beetle no, anywhere. They're clearly beetles. Yeah, I unless don't know. It was a ladybug is just is part of the beetle family. <laughs> ladybugs are beetles. Okay, technically they are beetles. So there we go. All okay, right, fair we can, enough. We can issue. So all anyway, this. there's these ladybug slash beetle pick 'em ups that um there are six different colors, and but it's weird because only one of them spawns at a time somewhere on the course, and it sort of cycles through its colors. Right. 
and you have to you drive to pick it up and you have to collect one of each color. Yeah. And, you know, during this time, your opponent can smash into you to steal yours or shoot you with items and you drop yours. And, you know, so you just are driving in a circle, getting all these. And then once you have six, you drive to the exit and win. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. I yeah. mean, like, it's I have mixed feelings generally on Mario Kart racing because it's so goddamn hard to hit someone with a green shell. Oh, and you're yeah. driving around in the battle mode. Oh, you mode. mean the ba- yeah, battle? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry, battle mode. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, um, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, battle mode, I've played it, I've enjoyed it, but it's never what I seek out. You yeah. know, it's never. I'll play it if other people want to, but it's yeah, not exactly. something I'm going to suggest. And I feel like Mario Kart has kind of realized that over time by putting all these weird other things in the battle mode. Yeah. Because, like, just the trying to hit someone with your shells in this open space is very frustrating. Yeah. And I think that this game works smartly by having that not be the mechanic. Because the race to um, get the constantly spawning beetle icons is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the the mechanic of them rotating through the colors is really weird because you might only need like a turquoise one. Yeah. And you have to wait until it turns turquoise to drive up and get it. Otherwise, it's just a waste. That's the thing. I thought it might like default like to the next one. But I mean, if there's only one token on the track at any time, it's kind of difficult for it to register which ones you have and which ones you don't. So I understand why it's, it's done the way I it mean, did. it was initially frustrating. But looking back, I'm like, wow, that actually did add a lot of layers of drama and tension because you're oh, sitting there being like, God, I hope it turns while the other person is sort of and I, peppering I, you with weapons. I imagine four-player mode of this would be frantic yeah. and pretty fun. Yeah. Like, because we, you were able to get away with that, like, where you're perching and waiting for the, the beetle color to change. Like, you're, you're waiting for that. But if there are three other people trying to ram into you during that time yeah. or shooting missiles at you, like, that's going to get much more difficult. And I also would say, I think that the... Another thing I'm not crazy about in, like, Mario Kart Battle is I feel like, at least 64, the levels are often too big. You or, get, like, too layered. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. get lost. You can't figure out where your opponent is. Like, the, the level we played here was just, like, a sort of fairly open field with a building in the middle that you could drive under or you could drive over. Right. It was very small. It was pretty easy to tell on the radar where things spawned. Um, and so it, it never it never felt like you were crammed in there and just getting peppered. Yeah. But it also felt like there was enough uh, space to move around. Definitely. Yeah, this one's a this one's a treat. This a Beetle, Beetle yeah, Adventure a Racing game. is a real delight. I I uh, I genuinely enjoyed it. I don't I, think that it's like necessarily a super exciting or super polished game. Maybe not, but, but I think this is maybe one. Again, there's a discussion of if there's ever an N64 mini, what would you toss on? Yeah, there? I feel like this might be a good one to toss on I agree. because okay. it's. I'll go with that. It's it's less uh, it's less commonplace. You don't necessarily not everybody knows this one by name, but you might be surprised. And if you're if you're turned off by the real vehicle license, or if you're turned off by racing games in general, like I, I, get I, I am turned off by that. I'm I, I turned I, off by both. That's what I, I Google search for fake vehicles nude. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Non-licensed vehicle feet. Yes. Gross. <laughs> well, why, how is that gross? I can't even conceive what that would look like. I know, like. that's the thing. I can, and that's why oh, I'm okay. saying gross. Uh, <laughs> that's more, uh, it's more an indictment of me than anything. <laughs> Um, all right, let's move on to our next game. Uh, this game is called Stunt Racer 64. Move on to our next game. It's called Revolt. We didn't play it. We didn't play <laughs> it. It's probably fine. Uh, Stunt Racer 64 was released October 1st, 2000, developed by Boss Game Studios and published by Midway. This is an N64 exclusive. 
boss game we just talked about on the Top Gear games. So oh, that's kind of what we're working with. Forgotten. Uh, How so, does this compare to Top Gear? I don't even remember. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I don't. Re- there was one of those Top Gear games we liked. I feel like right. Was there? Ra- yeah. Oh, Rally okay. Two was pretty good. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, that right. was Rally okay. Rally Two, the mysterious island. But I don't remember a frame of it now. <laughs> anyway, that's like very recent. Anyway, <laughs> we should stop admitting how little we remember about all this. I feel like we shoot our own credibility. I mean, but I don't know. I, I, we're, first, we're, we claim to be humans. comprehensive. Then we admit we forget the games three weeks <laughs> after we play them. And, I don't know. I don't know. So uh, one very noteworthy thing to talk about with Stunt Racer 64 is that this is the last of our blockbuster rental exclusive games. It's been a, it's been a real cavalcade of quality. Man, oh man. All the way from your Indiana Joneses to your Supers Bowlings. Oh no, Super Bowl no, wasn't Super one. Bowling? Oh, it was okay. we had um let's see, it was Daikatana. Oh great. Inter- International Track and Field 2000, Razor Freestyle Scooter, Ooh. Transformers Beast Wars Transmetals, Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine, yeah. NFL Blitz Special Edition Ooh. and Clay Fighter 63 and a third director's cut or sculptor's Ugh. cut. So yeah. Mixed bag. Mixed bag. Um this one is uh kind of particularly strange because uh it's Argue well, I don't know. We talked about this. It, it's it's I don't know. I, I I was gonna make the argument that this is one of the higher quality of these rental <laughs> games, but I don't know that I can stand it's, behind that. It, I mean, based it's, on the games you listed, it's in the top half of those. Definitely so better it, yeah. than most of those. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It might not be it's not it better be. than Blitz because Blitz is Blitz and it's maybe it's maybe comparable to Indiana Jones. Maybe it, I don't think it's I, better than I think I would I think I would put track and field above it as well, but I think I would put it ahead of all the rest. Sure. Yeah, if we're going to arbitrarily rank things. as Which we, we are, because that's the whole goddamn premise of this show. <laughs> um, you know what, Steve? I'm sick of arbitrarily ranking things. I'm, <laughs> I'm going home. Uh, this damn whole, it. This whole endeavor's been for naught. Take down the website, cancel all the old episodes. Shit. <laughs> well, I can't cancel the old? Well, okay, yeah. I guess I can. I realize that we've become shallow, judgmental people. <laughs> become? Oh, yeah, I think we started enough. that way. Yeah, that's true. The, the other noteworthy thing about this is that this is probably the hardest game to find complete in box on the entire Nintendo 64. Probably loose. this is in the top three most valuable games on yeah. the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Loose. it's going to run you anywhere 75, 100 bucks, um, which is not nothing for an N64 <laughs> game. Uh, but complete in box, it's really hard to find because Blockbuster made a very strange decision with this one where not only were you allowed to rent the game, you were allowed to rent the box and the manual if you wanted to. You now, could take the whole thing. Did it cost more to rent the box and the manual? Like what? I what? couldn't find that information. Okay, what would I, be the upcharge if you were at Blockbuster? Let's say you come to Blockbuster, because yeah. I'm sure you did many a time. Sure, I lived um, there. And you say, I want to rent that Stunt Racer game. And they say, would you like to rent the box and manual? What amount would I say where you go, yeah. Like I mean, you're probably free. I think free <laughs> is the only thing that would work. Like <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think I would need like, to oh, pay great, extra. Another thing to lose and get charged for, right? Like, but that's the issue. Like the manuals got lost, the boxes sure. got damaged, or you know, they it did the thing like a lot of blockbuster games left their games out in the open window, mm, and so they got real sun, sun damaged, yeah. and and so. Finding like a mint condition complete in box version of Stunt Racer 64 is very difficult. Some goon on eBay right now has it listed for $15,000. That's me. You should buy buy my copy. Come on, guys. (laughs) Promoting it now. Like, 
if if someone were to pay that, I think that that would automatically make it the most valuable N sixty four game. Sure. You know, but I don't see anybody. Please don't paying pay that. that I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's, right now, don't pay that. Yeah. yeah, don't pay that. You have better things to do with your fifteen thousand dollars. You do. I, I don't guarantee know who you it. are. But you do. I do wonder sometimes who has $15,000 to just throw away on a game <laughs> like that. It's not even very good. Uh, sto- hey, spoiler. spoiler alert. Sorry, excuse <laughs> me. Uh, so, and to, to clarify for people who might be confused like I was, this game has nothing to do with Stunt Race FX on the Super Nintendo. That was one of the early games I was messing with the FX chip, yeah. trying to do like some pseudo 3D stuff. Very slow, but kind of charming. Uh, this has nothing to do with that. Okay. Different game, different makers, everything's different. Um, so, all right, let's talk about what this game is because it's unusual. Yeah. This game kind of takes place in like a retro future world. So it's they like 50s. Beloved Milo's Astrolabes. Right. That was a comparison he made. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, weird that there are two retro future games on this system. With very sort of angular characters who have tall hair. Were they both Midway? No, Milo's wasn't Midway. That was crazy. I just assume every game that's not a rare game is by Midway. Yeah. Because that seems <laughs> it's, it's, to be the case. It's Midway or it's a claim. But yeah. 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 yeah I, I bet like two thirds of the N64 library is just those two companies. Like I would not. I yeah. honestly, I think that's accurate. Yeah. I think <laughs> that might be right. Uh, so you, you're on these futuristic tracks. You've got these kind of wacky characters. Like there's a guy who's like a giant lizard man or like. Your tutorial is like this car hop waitress named Strawberry Shakes, you yeah. know, because diner culture, dining or drive through culture or whatever. Sure. Um, and the game is what it says on the tin. It is a racing game with a heavy emphasis on doing stunts. Yeah. Now, what does a car stunt look like exactly? <laughs> a car stunt means you are hitting a ramp, you're getting a lot of air, and then you are doing a, f- a roll in one direction or another, basically. So yeah. you're... You're rolling to your side. You're doing a front flip. You're doing a back flip. And you've got little jet boosters underneath your car that are kind of facilitating that movement. Yeah, and it's kind of the initial, like, uh, the premise of this is a little flawed in general. Like, it's kind of cool to be like, oh, I could do stunts in my car. And then you realize just what you said. Oh, there's only two things I can do. Yeah, there's only so many. one direction or the other. And it's like. A car is a big, stiff piece of metal. There's only so much it's going to do. You're not going to do, like, backflips or heel grabs or something in a car. Well, you can do a backflip. Yeah, um, well, yeah, a heel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, that sort of holds it back immediately. This game, I don't know, much, you know, much in the way like Beetle Adventure Racing was rooted in reality, Mm -hmm. um, but still had an emphasis on fun. This game seems like they're trying to root in wackiness, but they hold back too far. Yeah, Um, that's a good way to put it. Because, like, you're already these, all, all the cars have this, yeah, retro 50s aesthetic, so there's like a very... You, they're very cool looking cars. Like, yeah. I really like. I'm not really a car guy, but I really like the car design here. Um, you can drive the computer opponents drive Woodies that look very good. They yeah. have a good sheen. Um, and I mean, yeah, they they look just stylish enough. Like they they it's clear that they're a real car, but they look weird enough. That, yeah, like, but like they, I I do yeah. wish they did some other like weird thing for your stunts, like um, shot fire out of like side of the car, or like somebody like jumped on the hood and like shredded on the on an air guitar or something. Execute a combo and your car turns into like a disco dancer for a few seconds yeah, before it hits the it, ground. I don't yeah, know, just exactly. spitball. Because again, the. <laughs> This game has a real surreal... The way I would describe this presentation of this game is it's the intern went into a back room Mm -hmm. of the game company and found a box full of unused art and sound assets. Right. And, like, went up to the boss and was like, hey, can we make a game out of this? And the boss like, well... Just do it on your own time. You can use them if you want. (laughs) We'll sell it to Blockbuster. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, No one's going to play it. 
Because, but like, because you're yeah. just like in space. It's just kind of a bunch of pastiches, right? Yeah, because there is like they follow kind of like a platformer style of like level design. There's a Wild West level, a snow level, a candy level, whatever. Like all the all the usual things you'd it expect to like, see like, in a platformer. Look like worms, where like yeah. there would just be like you can select a theme, and there would just be like candy canes jutting out of the wall. And or, that's kind of the thing here. It's like you're you do a level that like your toy level is toys. But it's also space. There's also just a mysterious mustached man with a jester hat, like floating out in space. Yeah, like, and you're like, what is this? Yeah, and, and there's nothing uh, aside from like the wacky crap going on on the sides of the track. There's nothing that really uh, makes it different or anyway. It's just kind of like merging a bunch of these different disparate elements in a strange right, way. Right. Yeah, because again, your premise here is like this retro future aesthetic, but that's only sort of the characters and cars match that, but then the tracks just don't seem to match any kind of unified aesthetic. Like, yeah, your first level is the kids' cup, and, like, there's different, you know, there's just candy canes and stuff. And it's like, well, is this Christmas-themed? Or, yeah. or what's going on? And well, I, I, I compare this, I think this game kind of has a similar aesthetic to the game Rock and Roll Racing. Oh, yeah. Which is one of my favorite games. But, like, what I like about that game is you play in outer space, and you go to different planets. Yeah. So each planet has its own clear vibe and aesthetic and yeah like, that's kind of what you want here to go from different planet to planet um but none of that comes it's all through. just kind of tracks floating in space and that, that gets a little it, it just feels like there's not a whole lot of unifying vision going right. on and, the, and i think that the end result is it makes this game feel very cheap and very like tossed off yeah because in, in the same with the music like it kind of is i don't know there's just no sort of unified thing here yeah, kind of bad music on both of these games today. Yeah. Like, uh, Beetle Adventure Racing is just like a backbeat. Like, it's just... Right, Beetle Adventure Racing, like, I it, didn't yeah. like it, um, but, like, it kind of just faded into the background. Yeah, it's unobtrusive. this game, it was actively annoying. There's weird, like, uh, horn honking sounds, and, like, sometimes it sounds like someone's playing on a garbage can, yeah. and, like... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know exactly the vibe they're going for. I feel like you should have just leaned into it and done like Elvis style fifties, yeah. like oldies rock. You know, done something like that. And uh, actually, I, I will say, like a sci-fi re- like that's one of my favorite vibes in things oh, in general. Is definitely like me 50s, too. Fifties, yeah. like fifties sci-fi, like MST3K. You know, movies that they do things like that. Um, and yeah, if it was a combination of like weird sort of rockabilly Elvis knockoff and alien like theremin noises. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. That'd be great. They yeah. should have like just leaned into that side of things. So let's talk about the stunts themselves. So it took us a little bit to figure out how to execute a stunt. It's because you need to get some air and then instead of like holding the stick in one direction or another, you need to double tap. So mm-hmm. you double tap forward to do a front flip, double tap back to do a back flip, oh, et cetera, et cetera. And it has that same control, but which I can't is like it it makes sense as a mechanic, especially mm-hmm. for a driving game, because you know you're steering, you're 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 using that stick for other things. So like the double tap mode makes sense. I feel like there's all these C face buttons that weren't used at all that could have yeah been mapped to some of these. Um, I mean, I like I I I liked that the stunt mechanic was pretty simple. Once um, there's there's a handy thing when you play the cha- the championship single player mode or whatever, where they'll give you a little demo reel of what you need to do to accomplish your goals. Yeah. And when they go off, they'll have, they have a controller in the upper right hand corner that says, Oh, you tapped right twice to do this. Yeah. 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 So at least they showed us how to do it. And I liked this mechanic. I just wish there were more tricks you could do. Exactly. Yeah. If, if they could just do a little bit more, 
just 10% more effort, I think, would have gone a long way because the driving mechanics themselves are fine. They're not, yeah, they're not, not rem- good. They're not remarkable. And I think they feel kind of sluggish, especially yeah. two player. We, we tried it and like frame rate wise, it looks great. Yeah. It handles two player very well, but your cars do feel slower in yeah. that mode. Like you're having a hard time building up the speed you need to hit these ramps. The annoying mm-hmm. music is gone. But again, the, the end result is just something that feels sort of, barren and lifeless and cheap and the interface on this game is just baffling like how did that track selection work did we ever figure that out it's like when you're doing there was literally a paragraph that uh, what was strawberry cakes whatever her name is yeah tried to explain to us about i think what our takeaway was it was a paragraph saying that you press a to select the track you want to play yeah but like the order that you like the faster you select the track the farther ahead you'll be in the starting position and it seemed like such a confusingly explained mechanic for something that didn't matter very much. Yeah. And it was just, I don't know if I'd ever been so confused by a game explanation of a, it was like Final Fantasy Tactics of like your retro future racing games that yeah. didn't matter. It's like so needlessly complicated. And it's got that kind of thing where you have one bit, it almost looks like a sports game, like a football game kind of menu. Yeah. Uh, like this cube, as you go down the menu, the cube rotates to show you a different option. Right, and it should, I feel like it should be cleaner than this. We really you know? had to dig to figure out how to get into two-player. Yeah. you had to go into the quick race selection and then select the type of race as a multiplayer race. Yeah, yeah, it was just kind of clunky. Um, I, I definitely wanted to like this game more than I did. I, I've read on different places that this is kind of a, you know, a, a lost little gem on the system. My I don't think theory, I can agree. My theory is that the more expensive a game is, the more people are willing to claim it as a lost little gem. Sure, well, I, um, which I get. Which I is get, you why want, nobody yeah. who spends $800 on Panzer Dragoon Orta is gonna, or Saga is going to be like, eh, I didn't like it very much. It was it meh. Was, it was yeah. meh. It's a sunk cost fallacy. You, yeah, know? It's, exactly. you, need to, you need to see it pay off in some way. So I get it, but at the same time, like, there's potential here. I think, yeah, just a little bit more effort, just a le- another little layer of polish could have gone a long way. I mean, this is a game similar to Rat Attack. Like, it is better than Rat Attack, but it is definitely like a game that feels like someone... It, it, the only reason that it is rare is because one person kind of put it together in their in their basement in their free time. Right, totally, <laughs> like, totally. They're like, okay, we have enough to manufacture... 2,000 copies of this game. Like, yeah. what's the way to do that? Let's just send them to Blockbusters. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, kind of kind of meh. Um, but that's the end of our games for today. We will get back to Revolt next week when we're talking about Armorines. Let's move on to our rankings for these two sure. for the day. Of course, we are ranking the games that we have just played, and we are getting so damn close to the end of this series. We are at 283. This will bring us to 285. Uh, why don't you kick us off? Where, yeah. where are you starting on these? You bet. Uh, no question that Beetle Adventure Racing is the better of these two. Far and away. Um, I'm putting that at number 80, which is oh. right behind Wave Race 64, another racing game that I like that is pleasant. Um, I do, you know, I think that I would have a very nice time playing through all the levels of Beetle Adventure Racing, seeing the different nooks and crannies and corners. I'm not sure I would go and play through them multiple times. Um, but it, yeah, yeah it, it's a game I would recommend. Um, Stunt Racer is not a game I would recommend. In contrast, this yeah. is the old compare and contrast. Yeah. Um, I'm putting it number 162, which is not awful. No, um, middle, but it's middle right behind Lego Racers, another racing game that is not awful. 
An- uh, another racing game that had a lot more potential than it realized, yep. I think. Yeah, I think that's a good place for that. Uh, I'm I'm going to go a little lighter on Beetle Adventure Racing because I really, really enjoyed it. I, I was very surprised uh, by how fun it is and just kind of effortlessly easy to pick up. I love the exploration. Beetle Battle was a uh, surprisingly charming little and, mode. And fun to say every time you say it. it <laughs> Beetle Battle, Beetle Battle, Beetle Battle. Yeah, it's it's really fun. I feel like I would like break that out at a party. I feel mm-hmm. like I would try out Beetle Battle mode uh, with friends. Yeah. So I'm putting this in a uh, a nice little cluster of racing game uh, uh, MVPs. So it's going to go at number one four or number forty three. That's right below Diddy Kong Racing, which itself is right below F Zero X. Okay. So we got a nice little racing chunklet there. I think yeah. you can't really go wrong what, with what, any is of those. Is a chunklet like a little chunk? It's like a yeah, it's a smaller version of a chunk. Okay, yeah, got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, stunt racer, and, yeah. And if you spoke Spanish, it would be a chunquito. A chunquito. <laughs> I, like, I like that. Uh, I'm coming in a similar direction on stunt racer. I think I'm going a little harder on it, too, than you did. Um, I'm putting this at number 174. That's right in between Big Mountain 2000 and right above Scars. Uh, I think. Oh, yeah. I think these compare. You're right. It definitely has a Scars feel. That's I don't know where I put vibe. Scars, but it's, where, it's, it's pretty comparable. Roughly around yeah. there. Um, we have one very short letter this week, uh, which you can always send letters to us at uh, ultra64podcast at gmail.com. This one says, hey, guys, it's, it's Burger Champ with a new query for you. Okay. Um, do you like character creators in gaming or do you prefer mm. to play as a predefined character? When you use character creators, do you tend to make them look and act like you, or do you create a fictional character to play with? Do you tend to play in a way you would, or do you think that you play in the way your character would? Keep up the good work, and that's Burger Champ, who we know uh, as a uh, Patreon subscriber, who's yeah. awesome. Thanks, Burger Champ. That's yeah. a good question. I uh, yeah, go ahead. I feel like uh, I tend to go. I tend to go. Pres- I'm a very much like. If I'm playing Zelda, I'm naming my character Link because I like having yeah. the I like having the the consistency. But I always forget that like if I did that in an old cartridge, I always forget I was the one who played the game. Sure. When I go back later, I'm like, who had this Link save game? Right, right. right. I um I'm gonna say I don't like having character creators at the start of the game. I understand that for your like fallouts and your oblivions, like that is a component of the game is sort of customizing your skills and the way you want to play. Well, it's really important to figure out how your character is going to look, especially because you're seeing it through a first-person perspective or behind the back the entire time. But Mm. I like things to sort of be structured and built in a scripted way. Yeah. And so, like, whenever you have a character who's being created, everyone has to respond to them in, like, very generic sort of open-ended ways where if they're already a defined character... Like, I always thought it was weird that people, like, love Gordon Freeman, mm. like, as a character, which is a weird example he's, because he's, he's, a, he's a cipher intentionally. Like, you're not supposed to, like, know anything about him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, I want to be playing as a distinct character. And I, I want to either like or not like the character I'm playing as, not just have some sort of fake avatar. I prefer I, that, too. I feel like if I'm playing Bioware games where there's a heavy component of, like, good or evil uh, character shades or things like that, I, it's just not fun to play evil. I feel like I try yeah, and play. I know. I try and play the way like I think I would want to react in that situation. Generally, because um, like when you're playing through it evil, it feels. 
I don't know. It feels perfunctory. It feels like, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to be a dick for a while and see how everybody likes me. And it feels like you're cutting off like content from yourself because you know that when you play evil, it's just going to come down to like killing dudes. Yeah. Whereas we, sometimes when you play good, you're like, oh, maybe this will have some other mechanic here. Um, I do also tend to make characters look like me. Just I don't, I don't know. It's weird, like how immediately my creativity just goes through the tank. Right. But I'm like, I'm always afraid that like someone is gonna be like somehow open my save game and be like, that character doesn't look like you, Woody. What were you doing? Yeah, I and I, I find I I lose like any kind of emotional connection if I'm making the character too wacky looking. Yeah. Like. It's like, oh, fun. I'm going to make him have like a gigantic it's a, butt. It's like, a lot of hair. fun to do that in wrestling games. It's a lot but, of fun to do that in wrestling games. If it's a 40-hour narrative yeah. RPG that you need to be invested in the stakes, you don't want to be seeing like wacky pants like running around the entire time. Yeah. It, it, it makes it hard to immerse yourself in the experience, I think. I do like to play as the female Pokemon trainer, though, in Pokemon games. I, I, don't, know, I don't know why that is. <laughs> lately, that's my thing. I, 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 I play as female characters when I get the choice. And yeah. it's, it's not like a woke choice. It just tends to be... It just feels different. It You're feels like, different, and I've found this to be true. Uh, the female voice actors tend to be better. Oh, okay. I don't know if I'm crazy about hmm. uh, for for thinking that. I mean, maybe I'm just basing this too much on Mass Effect, where it was sure. like a night and day difference <laughs> playing male Shep or fem Shep. Like, it, it's a it's a huge difference. Also, really weird. I was just playing the game Star Wars Squadrons, and you can create an avatar, but also assign any voice to it. Oh, yeah. So I had like this. <laughs> So this just a- this Asian looking dude and like this very angry feminine voice coming out of it. And it was very disorienting it's every fun time to do that. somebody talked. Oh, I guess the yeah whack yeah. Well, you, you already brought wrestling games. I was gonna say Def Jam Fight for New York. You can do that too with the different yeah. voice choices. But there and was no it- feminine voices in it. No, not very. No. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla right now, and they have a very interesting mechanic. Uh, just kind of going back to the gender thing, like. In early in the game, there's like a, a crisis point, like where your character is still a child and you're about to like advance to where they're an adult. And because it's all part of a simulation, they're saying they're, we're seeing some conflicting information here. So that's where you can choose to either be male or female or gender fluid. Yeah. You can choose like the neutral option and you'll go back and forth depending on your actions. That's pretty neat. Which is very interesting. I'm, I like seeing the ways that uh, games are experimenting with gender dynamics and stuff like that now. Oh, so. and I will say just on one note, I feel like also I really like it in games when there's visual effects on the armor and stuff that you wear. It drives me nuts in mm. games when you equip things and it does not show on your character. It's just like a flat matte background. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's very irritating. That's a great question. Thank you. Uh, yeah, folks, write in and answer with your own question. I'm curious to see if people like uh, completely disappearing and being a t- totally different person or or if you like to kind of insert yourself into the game to a degree. I like to insert myself into the games. Yeah, it's yeah. the same place I put them. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. moving on. <laughs> with the, Googling the games with feet? What? Yes. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, so that's all we got for this week. So tune in next week. You're going to hear kind of the concluding portion of this episode i'm gonna get a copy yeah, this of revolt is, this is revolt part one this is our first two-part ultra 64 yeah. episode <laughs> yeah yeah so we're gonna kind of like uh piggyback it onto armorines because what the fuck why not and also write in and tell us what armorines is about yeah i have no idea i'm curious what yeah because this is i know it's a valiant comic i know i never read it uh and i've never seen a single panel from it or oh. a single image from this game that so. reminds me um so I checked in the movie Fletch at the library a couple days ago. Sure. And I realized that I think the movie Fletch exists in the most 50% of movies I may or may not have seen. 
Like I oh, have Oh, like a, it's a Schrodinger's movie for yes, you. Yes, yeah. I think more than anything I I honestly, if you put a gun to my head, I could not tell you whether or not I've seen the movie Fletch. Interesting. Because I have sort of a mental image of having watched it, but I don't remember any content from it. I had that experience but, recently with the movie Working Girl. Okay. Which uh I started watching like thinking I was rewatching it and then thinking like I've never seen a frame of this before. Like, I don't know what I was conflating this with, but I've never seen a frame of this movie, and I thought I knew it, like, pretty well. I knew it well enough that I was putting it on as, like, a background movie. And then it's just like, I must have had just a completely different movie. You're getting confused with Shop Girl. I might have. It's entirely possible. Or the girl on the train. Or the girl <laughs> with the dragon tattoo. You know what? That's the one yeah, it is. That's the one so it is. Kid, it's so easy to get I was wondering. It's like, where are Melanie Griffith's dragon tattoos? <laughs> and she did not have them. But Working Girl's a pretty good movie. Um, oh, also, way. I have a thing I have a thing to plug. Yeah. Um, it's I don't know. It's, it's random. It has nothing to do with Nintendo 64. No. But, you know, if you have been missing live theater because you're not allowed to go to any theaters, as well you should not be. Mm-hmm. Um, I am taking part in a... I am the tech-slash-cameraman for a production of the show Endgame, which is a play featuring not Captain America, <laughs> not that Endgame, um, but it is a play by Samuel Beckett, written in 1957. He is the writer of Waiting for Godot, so it's bizarre and surreal, um, but it's being stream- live-streamed out anywhere in the world, so if you want to see me hopefully not mess up various camera angles, yeah. well, you won't really see me. But also, more accurately, see very talented actors um, putting on a cool show. Um, search for Idiom Theater, I-D-I-O-M, in Bellingham, and there will be a link there to the show, which goes up, um, well, tonight. Um, Where you're hearing the, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hearing, and it went out yesterday, and then it will be out uh, next Friday and Saturday as well. I don't know those dates. Uh, I think that's like see. the 28th or something. Yeah, it would be the uh, the 27th and 28th. So you had the 20th, 21st, and the 27th and 28th. Uh, you could hear Beckett. Uh, you could hear Woody uh, uh, controlling cameras. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you will not Beckett's hear Endgame. me, but you we, might hear me chuckle in the background. That is something really cool about yeah. Bellingham is we have a lot of really good like little independent theater companies, and Idiom is pretty amazing, and they do really cool experimental and stuff all the time. We want and, them uh, to survive. We want them to survive very much, so definitely check that out. And check us out next week for Revolt and Armorines Project Swarm. Can't wait to see what the acronym SWARM stands for. <laughs> I'm very excited. All right. Good night, everybody. Beep, beep, beetle. Saving scars good for us. I should try to start my wrist. Stay rocked till my TV's pop up in the Maybach's band. I should try to start. Nigga, you can't see me. My Bentley GT got so great to hit. I should try to start. My neck stay blingin'. My rims stay gleamin'. I'm shining, man. I should try to start. I see you scheming, Nigga, keep on dreamin'. I hurt you, man. BM, six revenge, twenty-four inches, Giovanni Rims. All one, one wheel when I'm on one of them. All that boy out there acting a fool, that's him. They say I change, man. I'm getting paper, I'm flashy. They like me better when I'm fucked up and ashy. My royalty checks the rebirth for Liberace. It's not so hard. Everybody gotta watch me. And I don't really care if it's platinum or white gold. Long since BS bling, they got that light show. In the hood, they say 50 man, you sneaker look right, show. Just can't believe Reebok did a deal with a psycho. Banks is your thing, y'all niggas might blow. Finna drop that, so I suggest you really low. But he 
some cash, build ten of keys, nigga. Getting them ten of keys, save ten for me, nigga. I'm trying to start my wrist, stay rocked till my TVs pop up in a Maybach band. I teach you how to start, nigga. You can't see me, my Bentley.